Welcome back to the fundmonitors.com manager insight series. I'm joined today by Rob Hay from Collins Street Asset Management. Rob, thanks for joining me. Thanks a lot, Damon. Thanks for the opportunity to be part. Uh, we did an article last week in Hedge Clippings talking about the fact that um, uh, the 2021 financial year was as one for a bit of uh, uh, out of out of the books, if you like. Um, we actually only had in the ASX 200 one negative month, which is I think the first time for about 25 years that that's happened. Uh, your fund has performed um, well over that time. In fact, returning uh, over 64% uh, for the 12 months to the end of June. It's been a stellar year. Um, is this the best year that we've seen? And, and have potentially investors um, who missed this last year um, missed it? Are, are you looking at the markets potentially coming back over the next 12 months? Last, the last 12 months, Damon, have certainly been an exciting time. And particularly within the Collins Street Value Fund, we were able to approach the turbulence of 2020 from a position of strength. Not that we predicted COVID by any stretch of the imagination, but for quite some time, we felt that ASX was very expensive and we were able to use our absolute return mandate to build up a cash position of about 35% in the fund. So that as markets dislocated and as opportunities presented themselves, we were able to back those ideas with conviction in a way that did genuinely shift the dial. Certainly, we wouldn't expect a repeat of these returns. The returns that were achieved over the last 12 months by us and many other fund managers were truly exceptional. And no investor should expect that to be normal or to anchor their expectations or preferences for the future around it. And so it's always cautionary for those people who are looking to invest for the first time or people who are looking, say, for an alternative to cash holdings to always be very careful about the risk return profile of what they're getting into. What I would suggest though, Damon, in terms of have investors missed out, is that when an investor is buying a managed fund, they're buying into an investment philosophy, they're buying into an investment process and the people who underpin that with their research efforts day in, day out. And so where you have conviction in that process and the investment mandate is sufficient to allow that investment manager to capitalise on their ideas in the, investment part, in, in the investment market, they need not have missed out as such. It's very important to distinguish that point, Damon, because unlike an operating company, a managed fund doesn't have a startup phase, it doesn't have the growth phase and the maturity phase. The investment philosophy, the core beliefs of the research professionals is something that should be unwavering over time. And so whilst we've seen good returns, they may not necessarily go that way into the future. At the Collins Street Value Fund, we've built up 25% of our portfolio in cash and we're maintaining our absolute return, high conviction emphasis towards deep value stocks in the marketplace. And we believe that, yes, whilst we're not going to achieve those 60% returns every year, Damon, that we do have the ability to continue to provide superior returns over time with capital preservation, first and foremost in our thinking. Rob, um I was looking at your June um, quarterly uh, report and uh, one of the points in there was noting, um, I guess, the difference between what you would view as value investing and contrarian investing. Last time we spoke, we talked about the difference between value and growth. Do you want to talk us through a little bit about, you know, the differences that you see in pure value versus contrarian? There are a lot of similarities, David. 
right? As a value investor, we're always looking for ideas worth a dollar that we can buy for 50 cents in much the same way as a contrarian person uh, would see something that is trading substantially less than its market value or which has been heavily sold off by the market as being an attractive idea for them as well. And as many of your uh, listeners, Damon, would have, would be aware, there are some fund managers and some investors who actually make uh, their process almost entirely driven around chasing last year's losers and avoiding last year's winners, and they'll and, and vice versa, um, in much that same way. Now, we can't always have everything that we want, of course, and so as a value investor, where we differ from the contrarian investor is that we don't necessarily speculate. We don't invest in things just because everybody else hates them. Because to be fair, some things could be cheap for a reason and they could well and truly be on the nose with good cause. But if you've done your research and you've been able to put your finger on some known cash flows, some known assets that you can value and a management team that you can trust, then you can start to go, hang on a little, hang on a moment here. The market has oversold this particular stock or this idea. Why have they done that? And that's where the value sits. Having done that research, having gone through the process and identified where the market is right. Very different for just taking the other side of the trade because one is available. So how then in, in that case do you identify um, the differences between those? What does your research process look like in going, you know, in going through which is a market that, that you know, in Australian equities is a very, very broad market. How does your research, how do you implement a research process to make sure that you're, you, you're getting through the, the undervalued companies and working out what's, um, you know, a good undervalued company versus what's just an unloved and potentially uh, uninvestable company? It's not easy and it takes an awful amount of time. Uh, everyone, Damon, wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. We all like to get the 10-bagger or the big stock and the big uplift in the portfolio. But when it actually comes down to spending the time and the, and the resources to actually get the investment thesis right, that's where a lot of things come unstuck. The Collins Street Value Fund is benchmarked unaware and unconstrained in where it finds value. So if we don't like a company or if a company seems prima facie overvalued to, uh, overvalued to us, we don't have to go near it. We don't have to own it and we won't invest any of our energy and attention in researching. What we would rather do is spend up to three months really getting to understand an idea, and when we have the conviction in that idea, to back it with a meaningful allocation of our portfolio. And so that will involve a range of factors. It could involve spending a lot of time with management and the board, as it often does, understanding the balance sheets, and what the risks, opportunities, and potential for capital management initiatives might be in the future. But also trying to find an information memory, an information advantage, something that somebody else may not have uncovered in their process. And so to do that, you have to have relationships and the ability and, and dare I say it, Damon, the inclination to do things which other people might feel uncomfortable doing. Speaking to customers, to employees, to suppliers, speaking to other people as part of the value chain and considering international trends where it makes sense to do so. And if you spend your time right and you go through that process, then you can uncover some absolute gems in the marketplace, some gems that are trading substantially beneath their intrinsic value, and that's what can shift the dial for investors. Rob, would you say then that um, 
because of that process, you're uh, an early investor or I would imagine you're probably going to say that you'll generally invest, you know, um, probably later than a lot of people. Which is it for you guys? Typically, we'll find ourselves getting into investment ideas a little bit earlier than most. Mm-hmm. Something will have been sold off. And when something is sold off heavily, that's when there tends to be peak pessimism around that particular idea or stock. And so that presents opportunities to do your research, to understand why they've been sold off, and then to compare that with where the market is expecting the company to go. So try to find it, find that disconnect and then to test that and see if it is actually accurate in the marketplace. And what do you do then to, to make sure that you're getting out at the right time? Because, you know, as we all know, that's the, that's the key, isn't it? True. And you've got to be careful that you don't cut your roses and water your weeds uh, when you're putting together your portfolio, because sometimes there can be merit in letting your good ideas run as well. But for us, it's about maintaining a very tight discipline and a very tight valuation methodology so that we're in, when we're entering into a stock and when we're continuing to review it, we have a target price in mind. And so once we get to that target price, we then start to think about what the future for this company might look like and how best we can exit that or sell into strength in the marketplace. Do you, and, uh, sorry, I was going to say, do you have a, an example of something like that? Yeah, there have been a few. Uranium stocks have been a a good example of that. This is an idea that we've had in the portfolio for a couple of years now, but which has only started to bear fruit over the last six to nine months. Now, there was a lot of negative sentiment uh, around ASX-listed uranium stocks post the likes of Fukushima, for argument's sake. And globally, a lot of uh, supply had been taken offline and some demand had been coming back as well. What that did is cause the spot price for uranium to go very, very low. And as the old saying goes, sometimes the best thing for low prices is lower prices. And what that did is it progressively pushed the marginal producer or the marginal mine owner out of the marketplace so that only those that were strong, those that had quality resources in stable jurisdictions were the ones that were left. And so when eventually toward the back end of last year and the start of this year, there started to be some positive sentiment coming out of both Europe and the United States around the sector. It was then that the investment thesis started to play out. And when it did, it, pay, it played out with impact in our portfolio. And so for us, we then had to take the view that what do we do from here? It's starting to reach valuation levels. Do we let it go? And do we start to speculate and go with the momentum in the crowd? Or do we stay true to our philosophy and true to our true to our valuation and start to sell into some of that strength, which is what we did in the portfolio. Um, well, uh, as I mentioned earlier, um, you had a very strong year um, with a very strong outperformance of the ASX 200. So the call on uranium uh, may have been uh, a very prudent one. Rob, thanks for joining me this afternoon uh, and uh, really appreciate your time. Thanks a lot, Damon. All the best. Bye.